Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Cara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Cole Bennett. Each week, we dive into the what and how of raising kids through puberty, that roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts for kids and parents alike. Combining reliable science and relatable parenting strategies, we will all learn about, laugh about, and yes, maybe even cry about adolescents, ours and theirs. Hi, Cara. Hi, Vanessa. Deep exhale. So, our children have scattered or are scattering to the four corners of the earth, literally. And it got us thinking, what are the conversations we should have with them before they head off? What are the conversations we should have had with them before they left? And what are the conversations our listeners should be having with their kids before they go to day camp and summer camp and teen tours and college programs and trips with grandparents and maybe just before they hang out at the town pool or the local beach? I know everyone listening is like, oh my God, but I'm so tired. I'm just finishing graduations and moving up ceremonies and proms and art shows and dance recitals, please don't give me another thing to do. I'm sorry, but we are going to give you another thing to do. I, I'm laughing because it's a good thing my kids don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> I would very much <laughs> like them to listen to or read anything that I do. But if they listen to this podcast and they listen to that introduction, and then they listen to the things that we're about to outline, they'd be like, oh, mom, we have those conversations all the time. Which I think is a good reminder that as you're listening, if these sound familiar, yay, you're on it. You're doing a great job. You can never do it enough. So these conversations, like every other conversation, are not one-offs. They are once a fill-in-the-blank, once a year, once a month, once a week. Once an hour. Once an hour. <laughs> but they are all conversations that before embarking on a summer journey or or if summer has begun and you didn't do it like at the front end of the summer journey, go ahead and tackle these top four. These are our, our big four. And for, for those of you stressed, I will just paint a visual for you. I was driving one of my kids to the airport last summer 
And my husband was on a call in the passenger seat and my kid was behind me. And I realized there was something about safety that I had forgotten to tell him. And we're like literally 10 minutes from JFK. And I was like, oh my God, I forgot. So he like leans forward as far as his seatbelt would let him. And I sort of like with eyes on the road, talking out of the side of my mouth, had the conversation with him really quickly because I was like, oh my God, he can't go without this. And he goes, don't worry, mom. Like of all the kids in my program, you've had 7 million more conversations with me than any of them. But it's all to say, you can always have the conversation, even if they're not under your roof, even if they are somewhere else or summer has begun, it's never too late. So we have a lot of new listeners, Cara, and I think it is worth starting with our number one topic about all of this puberty and transformation. So to our new listeners who haven't heard this a thousand million billion gajillion times, kids' bodies are changing earlier than they used to. Don't be shocked. It's not just your kid. On average, two years earlier for both boys and girls, although the starting clock starts earlier for girls between eight and nine and nine and 10 for boys on average. So that means that you have to start having conversations about changing bodies earlier than you ever imagined. If you thought that conversation was going to start in sixth grade, oh, honey, you are in for a surprise. That conversation can start as early as you want it to, but certainly by third grade, you should be having that conversation. Right. But emphasis on the word can, when you said can start, because if you're new to listening and you haven't had these conversations and you have a 14-year-old or a 16-year-old or an 18-year-old and you're thinking, Uh uh-oh, I am so far behind and I can't play catch up. The answer is never, never, never too late to start. Okay, so you're a little, you know, past when we would recommend you begin, but great, just jump in. Or if you didn't have the conversation with your older kid and now you have a younger kid at that age, as we always say, our oldest kids are the first pancake and often they... (laughs) get the sloppiest, messiest job of being made, but the younger kids benefit from our hard-earned knowledge. And we say this specifically around the context of summer because people are walking around in bathing suits and tank tops and short shorts, and they're in shared spaces like bunks or changing rooms or bathrooms at the pool, right? So all of a sudden, kids are seeing people's bodies in new ways And their own bodies are being exposed to the general public in new ways. I don't mean exposed like in a a legal graphic way. No, 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 but presented, right? Like they are, close your eyes for a second, take yourself back to whatever that moment was. We all had a moment like this where you were at camp or you were at a public pool or you were at a party and suddenly everyone's in a bathing suit and you just feel self-conscious, right? You're aware either that, your body has changed or that your body hasn't. By the way, both ends of the spectrum are a little bit tricky. So to that end, Vanessa, you're exactly right that the reason why we're starting with this first conversation being about body changes is that in the summer when it's hot and clothing is more scant, can I use that descriptor? (laughs) Um, You know, even for, I have one friend who was so proud that she did not allow her daughter to wear a tank top all the way through high school. And I was thinking like, okay, 
that worked for you in your home. But by the way, I know your daughter and I I know she was wearing a tank top. So (laughs) just not in front of you. Exactly. So sometimes the structure and the rules that we set up are structures and rules that make us feel better because you don't want to advertise body changes, but it happens, right? Right. If it's a hundred degrees outside and you're choosing between a tank top that shows more and a t-shirt filled with sweat stains, sometimes that's a very, very hard choice for a kid. And they're going to go with the cooler outfit, even if they feel a little bit vulnerable about showing more of their body. And it's nothing to be ashamed of. You know, I think partially kids feel embarrassed that all of a sudden people can see their breast buds or the hair growing on their legs or the hair under their arms or, you know, their back knee or whatever it is. And the most important thing is to emphasize it's totally normal. Everybody goes through it, but they go through it at different times. And to be a resource for a kid about like, hey, let's find summer clothes that feel comfortable for you, not just comfortable in the heat, but also comfortable in terms of where you are and showing parts of your body or not showing parts of your body. And of course, then there are also kids who are struggling with their body image. We've talked about this on other podcasts and we won't get too into it here because we could go down a very long rabbit hole with this one. But suffice it to say that when a person doesn't feel confident in their own skin and they are managing body image issues, that is a very thick layer that gets piled on to all of this. Right. And particularly, I'll take one example, the sort of classic example of someone with anorexia is someone who is losing weight and losing weight and losing weight. And what are they doing with the outside world? They're covering up more and more and more. They wear big sweatshirts, they wear big t-shirts, which feels very almost sort of ironic that this is what's going on, but it's very much a part of managing anorexia. And so now it's 95 degrees outside and you know, what are you going to do? You know, you've got this big, heavy sweatshirt on to cover the body that you feel tremendous shame or confusion about. So there, there are a lot of layers to this, but suffice it to say, the conversation is really, really important. And it's going to look different in every home. And it's going to sound different depending upon how old a child is, and what the extenuating circumstances are, and what your own relationship with your own body is. And then things like, I mean, sun protection. I have a kid who burns. He can cover himself with SPF 50, 60, 70, and he can do it two, three times a day. And he's really responsible about it. And he burns and it stresses me out. And so that's a layer to it, right? So lots and lots of factors that come into this conversation about how to present a body in the summer. And I would just say for those of you going through last year's summer clothes, trying to figure out something for your kid to wear to dinner with grandma or for the first day of camp, and all of a sudden you realize that the clothes don't fit anymore and that your kid is refusing to wear those nice khaki shorts or that pretty summer dress. And it turns out it's because it's not comfortable and it doesn't fit because it's a year old, some language for that conversation can be something kind of like, hey, you know what? I'm not sure those clothes are comfortable anymore. And I really want you to wear clothing that feels good. So let's just go to a store and find some stuff that does feel good, that feels comfortable in your body. And it's totally normal to need new clothes each summer and growing bodies change and look different 
even from month to month. So we'll find something that you really like and we'll hand those down to your cousins or somebody else we know. And on a different episode of this podcast, we'll talk about the crazy bathing suit styles that come and go over time. And maybe I'll share my hilarious story of bathing suit shopping at the beginning of this season. Not for myself, by the way. Not for yourself. You mean, does it involve exposed butt cheeks? Because that would be my guess. I mean, no, I don't even we get won't me started. Go, we, won't, we won't. Don't get me started on I'm, We're going to save it. On what's available. <laughs> Do you or someone you love have smelly feet? Well, this is for you. We made magical socks. We did. The magic is zinc. With zinc around, bacteria cannot grow. And if bacteria cannot grow, well, then there are no bacteria to eat the sweat. And if there's no bacteria to eat the sweat, then there's no off-gassing. And if there's no off-gassing, then there's no smell. That's how umsocks work. Check out the link in our show notes or go to myumla.com. After we've been Zooming all day, we both hit the same wall. We forgot about dealing with dinner. But given what we do for a living, we know the importance of feeding ourselves and our families well. And we want it to be yummy. So we're psyched to have found Factor. Factor's chef-created, ready-to-eat meals show up at our front doors. With over 35 different options a week to choose from, Cara goes vegan and veggie while I opt for a whole variety since I have so many kids. Two-minute prep gets us restaurant-quality full meals, snacks, and smoothies. And Factor is less expensive than takeout. And because flexibility is key, you can choose anywhere from six to 18 meals per week, and you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Factor meals require no prepping, no cooking, and no cleanup. Our kids are thrilled by the lack of dishes. So get started today and have a week of meals ready to go, taking the dinner prep pressure off. Head to factormeals.com slash puberty50. Use the code PUBERTY50 to get 50% off. That's code PUBERTY50 at factormeals.com slash PUBERTY50. We know it's really tough when a kid's skin is breaking out for the first time or the hundredth time. But now there's an effective product that can help. It's called Phyla, and it's clinically proven to fix acne by targeting the bad bacteria on the skin without eliminating all the good bacteria. This rebalances the skin's microbiome, treating existing breakouts and preventing new ones. Phyla's active ingredient is a probiotic isolated from the skin of healthy, acne-free individuals. This means Phyla can stop acne before it starts by eliminating bacteria in the pores without irritating or drying skin. And Phyla is safe for kids of all ages. Dermatologists recommend this easy three-step system. Just cleanse, apply serum, and moisturize twice a day. My own kids actually use this product. They love it because it works so well. Get 25% off your first order of Phyla with the code PUBERTY. Go to phylabiotics.com and type in the code PUBERTY at checkout. Link is in the show notes to get started. So conversations about changing bodies, number one. Number two, 
And we talk about this all the time, but it's really important when kids are spending more time online, more time on camp buses, more downtime, hanging out with kids maybe they've just met recently in town, is conversation about pornography. And we've shared the data before, but the most recent data we're using is from a common sense study about teens and pornography. And about 3,500 teens reported that they were exposed to porn on average at the age of 12, right? So the average age for that cohort of the study was 12. And 15% of those kids reported having seen porn at age 10. Okay, so two quick things I want to add. That common sense study came out just a few months ago. It is very brand new data, but it reinforces what we have been saying for a long time, what Gail Dines and her organization Culture Reframed have been saying for a long time, which is if you haven't talked about it by 12, you've got, you know, 50-50 odds that they've already seen it before you've talked about it. So just important to know. The other is the word exposed that you used. They really appreciate they're not necessarily searching for it. Yes, some kids are actually curious about what's out there and they're going to seek it, but most kids will describe exposure as being passive exposure or accidental exposure or another kid showed it to them exposure or it was a click away on a social media site or on some, you know, whatever they were watching, whatever video and suddenly the next video that was prompted there were 10 options and one of them was porn. So there's a lot to be said about how they get to it. That's not what we're going to talk about right now. What we're going to talk about right now is just talking about it, right? Yeah. And recognizing that there are a hundred ways that they may stumble upon it or come to it. And that becomes an important conversation as you're trying to figure out if, if you have a kid who's telling you, yes, I've seen it. But the first step is to approach it in the least judgmental way possible. Because when we tell you that the data is that 50% of them have seen it by 12 and the vast, vast, vast majority have seen it by the time they're in high school, boys, girls, doesn't matter the gender, the majority of kids are exposed. Well, then we've got to have non-judgmental conversations. Yeah. And we did a whole episode on conversation starters about pornography because we know it's a topic that's deeply uncomfortable to lots of adults who are super comfortable talking about lots of other things. But conversations about porn are really tricky. So we have a whole episode on that. But in the context of this framework of sort of sending them off, right, you can say to them, hey, we're not going to freak out. I'm not going to freak out if someone shows it to you or you've seen it. But I need to know, you should let me know, because porn can be really confusing and sometimes even scary or violent. And I want to be able to help you make sense of what you see. Your fellow 12-year-old friend is not your best resource in making sense of what you've seen. And, you know, if you've had the earlier conversations, like porn is not real life, porn is when people are either being paid and they're actors or they're deciding to put this content up online, um, they're doing different sexual acts, it's not real and it's not how we want you to have meaningful, intimate, loving sexual relationships, right? So it's it's just sort of like an overview. You don't have to get into the nitty gritty of X, Y, or Z unless they ask, but it's giving them some context and then making sure they know they can come talk to you and you're not going to lose your mind over it. Yeah, I think one specific call out has to do with sleepaway camp. 
we get lots of communication by email, by DM from parents who describe very similar phenomenon, which is I'm sending my kid to sleep boy camp. They don't allow devices. I'm so happy about that. But, but either I've heard a story or last year this happened or yada, 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 right? Here's the lead in. Kids sneak their devices into camp and porn viewing is very, very common among kids in bunks at sleepaway camps. You know, I personally think, and I have not seen a study that looks at the why of all of this, and I don't think that study is going to be done anytime soon, but I personally think it's a combination of you have a device you're not allowed to have, so you're breaking the rule, you're feeling rebellious, this is sort of a normal pushing the limits teen thing, and then there is sexual curiosity, and there may be that one kid in the bunk who drives the curiosity a little bit starts to show other kids, hey, I found this or hey, I found that. And suddenly, you know, it's really, really hard. It takes a tremendous amount of confidence for a kid who doesn't want to be a participant in it to say, hey, yeah, there are only six other people in this bunk and no adult around. And I'm going to step back and not participate in this. And by the way, that's an illicit device that you weren't supposed to have. You know, it's very... I think there's it's so complicated and so layered. So to parents who are sending their kids to sleepaway camp, if your kid hasn't gone yet, or even if they have in one of the early communications, you can absolutely let them know that if something's going on with devices in the bunk that they feel uncomfortable with, just to flag you and to let you know so that you can have a conversation about it. Because it's I think in that scenario, almost more than any, there is no parent around. You know, they I have a friend who's a psychiatrist who says, hate me now, thank me later, which is how kids feel about rules. Well, when there is an adult around to put those guardrails up, there is a safety net there. That happens at home. There's a safety net there in a way that it does not happen at camp when it's a counselor who might be three or four years older and who's not at the moment in the bunk. So that takes us to the next topic around the issue of who can your kid go to when they're not at home? They're on, at camp, they're on a program, because one of the big concerns is the mental health of tweens and teens. And when your kid has been living at home all year and comes home at the end of the day and says to you, oh, you know what? Somebody's gone to an outpatient place to help them with their eating disorder then you're there at the dinner table helping them unpack. What does that mean? What does that look like? What's going on with your friend? How can you be supportive and loving from afar, right? But if you're living in a bunk with your friend and your counselor is 20 years old and your friend discloses to you that they have been struggling all year with an eating disorder, that's a lot of heavy information to unpack as a 12-year-old or a 13-year-old or you know, someone says to you, oh, I was suicidal this year, which we know from all of the research, the rate of suicidality amongst tweens in particular and teens and young adults as well is skyrocketing. So maybe your kids never even heard the word suicidal and they have a friend in their bunk who turns to them and says, I was suicidal this year. I mean, how do we prepare our kids for those kinds of experiences? Right. I mean, that is a very heavy lift for anyone. It's heavy for the kid who is being the trusted P 
peer resource. It's heavy for a CIT or a counselor or a teacher who happens to have volunteered to go on the international trip. This is heavy lifting. It's also complicated when you're not sure you as the recipient of the information aren't sure of the validity of it. Like mm-hmm. We live in a world today where I think there is a real understanding that mental health is top of the list of worries for tweens and teens. However, on a one-off basis, sometimes it's hard to believe what a kid is saying especially when you're another kid. Were they really suicidal? Is this kid attention-seeking? If they were really suicidal, are they suicidal now? Is it my responsibility? Do I have to do something? And so the very first thing I would do, again, if you haven't sent your kid off yet for the summer, is to have the conversation about being on the receiving end of the conversation. And just to acknowledge, hey, if this ever happens to you, first of all, Assume it's real. Assume it's real. And second of all, figure out who you are going to go to to get some help and support. Yeah. And if you didn't have the conversation before your kid left, that's a letter you can write. That's a conversation you can have on the phone. You can just say, you know what I realized? We never talked about who you can go to when I'm not around. And here are the three people I think on your program or at camp. And this can be day camp or sleepaway camp. And name a few people for them and then say to them, who would you trust? Who feels comfortable to you? And sometimes who you imagine they'd feel comfortable going to is actually different than who they feel comfortable going to. And it's a great skill for kids to build, which is thinking about who are their trusted resources when we are not around, because that will happen more and more as they get older. And what I love about this conversation in particular is we're not saying if you feel this way, but we are implying as well, if you feel this way. So if you have depression, if you have worries, if you have anxiety, if you're starting to have eating issues, all of those same rules apply. But by putting it in the context of being on the receiving end of another kid, really you're covering two bases at once. You're covering the pitcher and the catcher position, right? And I think it's very important. The other is the older your kids get, the less you're going to know about the touch points. So I have kids who are off on summer programs. I have not met any of the adults who are supervising adults. And one of my kids is basically an adult. So as they get older, you will rely more and more and more on their judgment to say who they can go to. And it becomes really important. Uh, Let's close with the issue of technology and summer. So one of us might have a kid in their house right now who's leaving for summer camp in two days who was basically given two days of free reign to play as much Xbox and be on their phone as much as they want. Because it's going right now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We'll see. But Guinness Book of World Records. I I I think my kids hit the Guinness Book of World Records during COVID. But you know, I worked really hard over the last few months to set some stricter limits and to really rein things in. And I think pretty successfully, if I do say so myself, even though my kid was pissed off, but he's going away and he's not going to have his phone or his Xbox or any of that stuff, which I'm so thrilled about. But I said, all right, I'll throw you a bone. You can have a couple of days of just kind of unfettered access. But 
then he's gone for seven weeks and he has no access. My other kids who are going to be around need more sense of limits and parameters because it's very easy for things to just devolve into just like a bacchanalia of technology and thinking about how do we let kids have their chill time and their downtime while also keeping things together, protecting their sleep, protecting them from, you know, going down these algorithm rabbit holes of content they shouldn't be seeing for hours and hours on end, you know, all of that stuff. So Cara, I don't know how you like to handle that specifically in summer in your house. I find one of the hardest pieces of it is that if they're out doing physical things during the summer, which often they are, when you see them, when they're at the house and you see them, they're on a device. And so every interaction you have with them feels like there's a device around. Right. And if you approach the conversation as get off your device, you've been on the device all day, every day, they often rightfully say, actually, I haven't been on it at all today. It's just that you keep seeing me in this context. And so the way I've learned, (laughs) because I've learned the hard way, (laughs) the way I've learned to approach it is to ask the question, how do you think you're doing with screen time? As my kids have gotten older, they've gotten better at feeling what it feels like to be off a screen versus on a screen too much and then sort of finding that middle ground. They've started to set their own time limits. Ironically, they set their own parental controls. I think it should be called something else. That's what they do to monitor their own. And then they override their own parental controls, by the way, like I watch them do it. But I do think that understanding the lens through which we see it with the older kids is really important. Having a conversation, encouraging them to follow their own screen time, to check in with themselves, to see how they feel. I think that becomes really important. The reality though, is there is some subset of kids and age independent who turn into lumps of coal on a couch and they're just gaming and on tech. And if that is your kid right now, and that may not be your kid forever, but if that is your kid right now and you have concerns, I think the conversations sound something like this. You know, I know it's summer. I know the days are long. I know this is the most fun thing you have. This is concerning to me because, and then fill in the blank and then just zip it and let them speak and share and tell you how they feel. Because what you may find from your gaming kid is that their social world is a digital world and they actually don't have friends around the way they do online. Or what you may find from, you know, your CS kid is that they're developing an app and they're trying to do all this research or what you may, right? You never know what you're going to hear. Some of it is garbage, but <laughs> but some of it is legit. And I think having that two-way conversation sets you up for success when you're trying to set the limits. Yeah. And my kids will say to me, I've worked really hard all year. I am beat. Can you just give me a little bit of time to just be a blob and chill out and not rush anywhere and not do anything? And I've done this long enough, this meaning being a parent long enough to say, okay, you know what? I hear you and I'm really glad that you said that. Let's come up with a day or a date when like the vegging morphs into something more structured. And usually they're like actually really realistic and easy to work with. And they'll say, okay, by, you know, by Monday, 
I'm back onto my, and then you have to hold them to that and help them find that structure again. Or the other way to do it is to give them other things that you expect them to do that you know Walk are going to o- occupy a certain amount of time, right? Walk the dog, make a meal. If they happen to be rising high school seniors, do your college essays, you know, right? Vanessa is deep <laughs> eye rolling right now because I didn't. I hear literally was having the thought at what date yeah. do I start to have the conversation? Like, when has he had enough time off from school before I can say, okay, now it's time to start applications? That's one example of you're not telling them it can't be on a device. You're telling them, you know, it might be summer, but there's still a checklist of stuff. And here's the checklist. And those things don't involve being on their phone. And it will make you feel better if you get stuff out of the way now and don't have it hanging over you all summer, only to snowball into something bigger and bigger. I mean, well, obviously, isn't summer that reading. An adult brain talking <laughs> right there. Well, and obviously, summer reading. Like, I don't even know what my normally I would have my kids' summer reading books like on their desks. And this year, I'm like, guys, what's your summer reading? And they're all like, I have no idea. So that's definitely happening at the last minute. Although one nod to devices is if you don't have a great summer reader, summer audiobooks are amazing. And that is a way to balance tech with getting a little bit of interesting knowledge or storytelling or whatnot. So they can get out and walk and listen to an audiobook. They can walk the dog and listen to an audiobook. So if this feels a little bit like we gave you homework, we We did. did. (laughs) it's summer homework. It's better than the math packet your kids are going to have to do this summer. So (laughs) if given a choice, I would do this. And send us conversations you've had with your kids ahead of the summer that have been, I mean, we didn't even, Car, we didn't even get into the conversations about safe sex and partying and drinking during the summer. And maybe that's one we'll do another time. Or life skills, how to teach them life skills. Like filling out the payment forms for their camp job, for instance, which is the text that I got, or the tax forms for their job. Or the laundry and blah, 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 blah. The laundry, making eggs by yourself, um, which took me all summer last summer. There are a lot of conversations to have. We're here for you. Pick one. Start with that. Put some of the others in a letter. If nothing else, it will entertain your kid and their friends at camp. And let us know what worked for you and what didn't work for you so we can share the knowledge. Bye, Vanessa. I'm going to go talk to my kids. (laughs) Bye, Cara. We absolutely love hearing your feedback and getting all your questions. So anytime you want to be in touch, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. If you're looking for great puberty products, like the Oom shorts or the Oom socks or the Oom bra, you get the theme there, go to myoomla.com. If you want more content, you love what we do on the Puberty Podcast and you want to have us come speak or learn more about our book or subscribe to our amazing newsletter, The Awkward Roller Coaster, go to orderofmagnitude.co. Remember, it's .co because we don't have enough money to buy .com. Hey, hey, it's Kip Bodner, CMO of HubSpot. Join me and my co-host, Kieran Flanagan, CMO over at Zapier, on Marketing Against a Grain. We're not the typical regurgitated Twitter threads. These are 
takes from us, marketing leaders about what we're doing and what we're learning from our peers and what's working in the market and how you can apply them to your business. Everything you need to grow a modern business and have a strategy that is fit for growth in today's changing economy. Listen to our podcast, Marketing Against the Grain, wherever you get your podcasts.